ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're here back at it again, the Mountain Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Mr. Donovan Fulmer, and with me as always, the lead pastor of the Mountain Church and CEO of life, <laughs> Samuel Paul Bernard Roger Goulet. Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? Man, I am great. How are you doing? It's good. It's it's nice out. I uh, I feel great. I'm with you. Yeah. But more importantly, we have a guest here today. We do. A fun guest. A handsome guest. A very handsome guest. Yeah. Uh, he is one of the congregates of the Mountain Church. <laughs> he is also a, a businessman, a smart man, a man who loves Jesus very much, and he's a friend of ours, Mr. Tim Rowland. Tim. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Although when you said congregate, I felt really old. Yeah. I felt I old, too. I'm an old Don, soul. Don't do that to us, bro. <laughs> I'm an old soul. What can I say? Congregant. 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 And Tim. I'm already learning new things today. I had no idea you have four names. Five. Five names. I missed one. Including a last name. But four if you don't include yeah. my last name. That's Samuel, amazing. Paul, Bernard, Roger, Goulet. I missed Roger. Yep. That's my mother's father's name. Well, they're all in there. Yeah. yeah. All of the all of the, the men. His family is super diplomatic about yeah. this. We're going to name you after everyone. Everybody. <laughs> your mom's side. Man name. for all people. Yeah. Yeah. Mom's side, dad's side, your dad. Let's go. Yep. And then here you are. Yeah, thank God you don't have like identity issues. I don't. No, not at all. Who am I? I just want to please everybody. It's no big deal. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is awesome. Well, the reason why we asked him to come on the show, uh, there were several reasons why. M- one of the main ones is because he's a genius and uh, mm. he's really a great example of what it means to walk with Jesus. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, and what I've seen and heard and listened to from him, uh, then you don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this so is sorry. The first time Don- you were Don- gushing. Over him, and it just was. There was a window. This happens every show. I will. Where's the Where's the honor? (laughs) That's our next podcast, right? Well, we've already done one on honor. (laughs) Gonna confront me about it. Anyway, as I was saying, yeah, we have Tim here. Uh, What we want to do for this podcast is have a lot of the uh, people that attend the mountain. We want you guys to be actually a part of the show. Uh, You guys are just as important as the special guests we bring from out of town or whatever we want to hear from you guys as well and i thought you know sam you and i talked about some people that we would love to see on the show and tim was one of those people he's really well connected here at the mountain you're a a, a home group leader you're also a leader you did an amazing job this last sunday talking about offering um so yeah we're really really happy we're here with you uh, this afternoon, but what we want to, want to talk about today is uh, what we want to talk with all of our folks about is uh, having a true walk with Jesus. Um, Tim, you and I were talking a little bit before the show about yeah. uh, what we were going to talk about today, and can you just kind of give people a general view of you know when you learned to walk with Jesus and what your life with Jesus has been like so far? Yeah, well, I accepted Jesus when I was very young. I was four years old. I grew up in a missionary's family, but I think for the first few decades, I was trying to run after Jesus. You know, I, I thought, oh, we're following him. Like, he's a far off. He's way down the trail, and I'm, I'm running to catch up to be where he is. And about 10 or 12 years ago, we kind of had a spin out uh, in our lives and our marriage and ministry, and everything just kind of fell apart. And I feel like God started a new work of teaching me to walk with him, that hmm. uh, he wasn't something I was trying to attain to, but he was in it with me, in the mess, uh, daily. 
He was walking with me with his arm around me. There was an intimacy that I was missing. And I had a lot of knowledge, like I knew a lot of verses. And, you know, when you're a kid growing up and you memorize scriptures and you win awards and you go to all the, the kids clubs and things that we do for the Christian culture. But I was missing to a large degree the heart of what God was trying to call me into. And I feel like he's completely remade that in the last decade, uh, both in our marriage and in our ministry and in our lives together. That's amazing. So what do you think is the hardest thing for people to understand about a walk with Jesus? I mean, you said you've been doing this almost your whole life, but there are some people yeah. who are just learning to walk with Jesus. Like, yeah. What is like some of the difficulties that people have or the mind sense? That- I think we get stuck um, in information uh, versus experience, you know, because we have to have the right information. We have to have truth. But if that truth doesn't lead us to an experience with the living God, we just know stuff. Like you might was might as well be a walking encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. If I can regurgitate, and this was my problem, I would regurgitate verses like, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored. I am the righteousness of Christ. You know, <laughs> old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But when it came to living my life on a day to day basis and walking in victory, I didn't have the authority and power I needed to live that out. So I had a disconnect between my heart and my head, where I knew the stuff, but I would go through life and every six to eight months I would have, you know, an explosion of rage and I'd want to pull somebody out of their car and beat the crap out of them. So that's not a good look for Pastor Timmy when he's trying to build a church. And I, for the first half of my marriage, I had a struggle with pornography and I kept thinking, you know, okay, I've, I've achieved breakthrough. I've gotten past this. It's under the blood. You know, I would renounce and, de- and declare and rebuke and I'd do all these things. I'd fast, I'd pray, I'd work harder. But then it would eventually come back again, and I didn't have any victory. And I found that at the root of that was I misunderstood my identity as a beloved son. I didn't know what it felt like, what it looked like to walk as a beloved son. And what I say now, and we share this, they're probably tired of hearing it, but every week in our young adults I say, the highest, greatest title you can achieve in the kingdom of heaven is beloved son and beloved daughter. That comes above apostle, pastor, teacher, preacher, evangelist, muckety-muck, CEO, whatever it is you want to be, if you don't Lucky know you're a beloved, being the fifth one, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> or the sixth, the sixth one. Fold, yeah. yeah. If you don't understand in your heart that you are a beloved son, you're not going to act like one. So, because I believed that I was trying to earn something that Jesus had already died to give me, you know, I thought I was saved. I'm going to heaven. I believe that, but I felt like now that He saved me, now that I'm I'm in, I have to earn it. I have to be good enough to 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 walk this out. And I'm continually frustrated because I couldn't. When I understood, he's already done all the work. He just wants me to walk with him, walk alongside of him. And that intimacy was what I was missing, even though I was I was desperately searching for it. I just couldn't step over myself yeah. to get to where he wanted me to go. So my question for both of you is then how do you understand what it is to be a beloved son? What does it take for you guys to understand that and then actually walk that out? Yeah. Um, I, in my, my case, it took some really, uh, we walked through some painful places and God met me there in a really intimate and powerful way. And I, I was undone. Yeah. Um, my father was a loving man. He was a missionary. Like he led me to the Lord. He taught me the, the ways of the Lord. Um, but because of the generation he came from and because of his family history and his understanding of himself, he and God, he didn't know how to share me his, his deepest heart with me. Mm. He didn't know how to share that. So I didn't grow up with a concept of knowing uh, this is how a father pours his heart out for his son. Mm-hmm. So I, I never really, I knew, I, I knew somewhere in the back of my head I'm loved, but I didn't intimately and deeply know my mother and my father's heart. 
So here I come to Father God, and I'm trying to connect with Him. But then on top of that, He's holy, and He is Lord of all, and you know, and all those other things piled up on top of it. So there was this this separation that I felt. That even though I knew the verses when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, you know, with the separation between God and man was removed, you know, that we are joint heirs with Jesus. I knew all the verses, but in my heart, there was this little, little boy that felt like he's not good enough to come close enough. And God had to tear all those things down. He tore down my idols that I was serving of uh, the false image of him that I had built through Bible, built through theology, built through my hard work. And when I realized he just loves me, just cause, yeah. not for anything I've done, not because I'm, I'm so special, but because he looked at me and he goes, I love that one. Yeah. And like, I, I love the line in the movie, The Shack, um, I'm especially fond of this one. When you understand that the God of heaven is looking at you with eyes of love and you, you feel that for the first time, it's, it's life changing. Mm-hmm. So I knew stuff and I had moments, you know, I'd had moments of, of breakthrough. I had moments where I kind of felt, you know, God's with me in this. I know he's with me, but I, it, w- it would fade. I would say that once he broke through that crusty barrier and I knew I was a beloved son, I, I haven't lost that in years, like the last yeah. decade. I've known that I've known that I've known I am a beloved son. He's with me. Yeah. Yeah. Brother, you, I, Sam? Yeah. I think that being a son is definitely holistic. It's like a full identity thing. It's not partial. Yeah. But it, it definitely does feel like that holistic identity is accomplished, and it, it, at least in me and I've noticed in others, it's most impactfully accomplished and established by Father meeting like the orphan in mm. us. Yeah. And, and if just that symbolism there to me is like we've each got these aspects of us which are weak, which are unrefined, aren't gifted, lack grace, shortcoming, sin, patterns of brokenness yeah. or bondage. And it's almost like until we really experience Father there yeah. in an unconditional way, that sonship can kind of be very elusive and evasive. There'll be windows of it, but never truly feeling like it's being established uh, and people keep spinning their wheels and spinning their wheels and spinning their wheels and spinning yeah. their wheels until they kind of just give up and are just like, I don't even. It was like there's like a give up point that happens. Yeah. And, and it's the it's like the in disguise surrender that we've always been looking looking for, which is just like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I, I, I give up. I don't understand how I can't get there. I'm tired of trying. Right. And then it's almost like that really like that place of discouragement is a sneaky door of surrender that where you can really meet father. And it doesn't always turn that way. It does yeah. feel like sometimes it could be a fork that leads to adoption or that leads to like furthering, yes. like further orphan mindsets entirely. But it feels like those windows, those places of like desperate need to see and feel something different are a really cool doorway for adoption for that little tiny orphan inside of me. Yeah. That's awesome. We, we tell people now we have people that come to us and their lives are falling apart. Like they're where we were. Yeah. Their marriage is about to end. Their lives feel like they're over everything that they've tried to build is crumbling around them. And we're like, 
That is so awesome. You yeah. are in the perfect spot huh? for God to begin to work. Like, Time out what? <laughs> this is great. Like, we're so excited for them. And they're like, you are freaking nuts. Yeah, You've you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I'm leaving now. <laughs> and it's like, no, he, he resurrects dead things. He makes old broken things new. He gives beauty for ashes. So if you don't have any ashes to bring, and most of us have an abundance of ashes, but it's like, if we could understand, like I didn't understand before, I, I was frustrated that discouragement because I felt like I am doing the thing. Yeah. I am serving my butt off yeah. and all I have are these ashes. <laughs> well, in the kingdom economy, if you have ashes, you are rich Yeah, because you can bring these ashes and you can exchange them for beauty. So yeah. the more crap you have to bring to the cross, the more yeah. God's grace, the more God's love, the more abundance he can pour out on you because that exchange that we bring our mess and our brokenness, like the more broken I am, the deeper he's able to go. Because when I've got too many answers, I don't have room for God. And that was part of my problem. I set out in search of answers. So mm -hmm. when I hit a breaking point, I was like, well, you know, take these two verses and work it out in the morning or read this book or go to this program or go to that conference. Or maybe it's, the, you know, I, I was in search of answers and I had so many answers. And it was finally when I came to the place where I'm like, I have no freaking idea where to go from here. Yeah. And when I, when I put my hands down, like you were talking about that, that doorway of, of, discouragement and you just, okay, I give up. Praise God. When I gave up, he was right there with yeah. himself as the answer. Yeah. It, it does appear that, and I think it's a function of doubt, honestly, that, that we desire formula or a form that we can grasp. I, I think in, in my experience in my own discipleship walk or my own walk with God and others talking to me about walking with God is they'll press in and continually repetitively ask, no, that's good and all, and I get that sonship thing, but how do I become a son? Yeah. And, and I go, I know, I, I know what you're asking for, and I remember asking for that. Uh, unfortunately, I could tell you, and the fact is that if I tell you three steps, I've almost done you a disservice. Yes. Because then you will go to exercise the three steps in a very orphan way. Yes. Which is like exercise, exercise, and strive exercise, through the three strive, steps. strive, 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 orphan through the three steps. Uh, and it's a real, that's a mind, that's a challenging mind issue to go, okay, it's a way, but I can't tell you the way. There's a form, but I can't tell you how to become the form or give you a formula. And uh, so it's just a really hard thing that doubt almost requires that there's something tangible yeah. that I could take away and do. And faith is, is really the access point to me yeah. for these things, which then faith becomes this really evasive term, yeah. which I'm like, hey, have faith, brother. You know, and it's like, wait, what? What are we talking about? That's, that's true. And you know, the beautiful thing is, is we found when we do ministry now, I wouldn't say it's a formula, but there's certain things that we start out with. It's basically like we're we're kicking someone in a certain direction, yeah. And Holy Spirit always meets them there, yeah, and leads them to the exact perfect place they need to go in their heart, yeah. And even though we're starting with the same kind of um, process, I'm amazed at how He tailors a unique answer to each child's heart, each person's heart that so comes, good, yeah. Because our experience has been unique, even though there are commonalities and similarities. Like the same lies pop up in, in people's hearts over and over and over again, like I had in mine. Yeah. Something different about me. I get it. I see miracles for you, but there's something different about me that I don't have access to that. 
which is that orphan mindset. A lot of people carry that. But when we shove them towards grace, we find that God will meet them there and he, he will take them by the hand. And we sit in a room and watch him walk them to a place of breakthrough and freedom. And it's just the most beautiful thing to experience and watch because he knows exactly where to go and what to do. He knows what to touch, what to heal, what yeah. to draw out. And it's beautiful to watch. It's, it's a loving father coming to his child to draw him to his bosom. Yeah, yeah. Bosom. That's a question. That's a word that I, I didn't think we were going to say this in this. No, it's good. Oh, okay. It's really good. I About this, because it can sound like, okay, well, if you don't define the approach, then how do you know what you're doing? Like, if there's no formula, then what are you doing? Are we just kind of like walking around aimlessly? And it's not so much that as much as the, the form of who we are comes from a relational connection. Yeah. And so yes. there is a way. It just doesn't become apparent until you're walking it out. And that's the that's the juxtaposition, that's the tension that I see is really difficult, is to walk without the full knowing of where you're going. And it's that and then the cliches become really real of like a leap of faith, his step, your your step, his step, you take one, he takes ten towards you. Those kinds of like cliches. When you're walking it out, you're actually like, Oh, oh, that's that's what they were saying. Like it's it's cliche and it's cheesy until you're like, wow, it's actually kind of how it felt. Like yes. I just simply trusted, took one step and then he was all over me. Like, or he was already all over me and I just realized it once I stepped out of myself. Yeah. And so all those kinds of cliches of what we've heard grandma who's prayed for us forever tell us. And then it was always real to her. But then like all of a sudden, like experience made it very, that information became very real. Yes. In a relational way. Well, I think fear plays a big part of that that walk and maybe not so much, like not walking with them. Uh, can you guys speak a little bit to that? Like how much uh, fear is is uh, crippling people from their walk with Jesus and, and maybe yeah. sometimes that you guys overcame that fear, not necessarily how, but uh, when you overcame that fear yeah. of unknown. Fear was a huge one. Fear was a huge roadblock for me because... I felt like such a fraud in every area. I, I tell this story. The first bonus check I got, I thought I was getting fired. I was sitting at work. The owner of the company comes into my office and throws an envelope on the desk and says, that's about a month's worth of salary. And I'm like, they're canning me. That's my severance. Like wow. I just had, I knew it. I knew it. And wow. he reaches across and shakes my hand. He says, you've done a fantastic job. We want you to keep it up. He walks out and I'm like having a meltdown. My heart is palpitating. And I'm thinking, they don't know yet. That was how I felt. I just got rewarded for doing a great job, and I had this dodge that bullet. And I felt in every area of my life, wow. if, if people know the real me, I'm done. I'm done. I'm divorced. Wow. I'm rejected. I'm fired. I'm out of the church. Wow. Like, if they really know me on the inside. So I felt like I had to build this facade. And, and the fear of, of transparency, fear of intimacy, because really... Not very many people have had an experience in life where someone takes you by the hand and shows you how to be intimate and transparent in a really honest, safe, and loving environment. Yeah. So we've learned to hide. Whoa. Like, especially in junior high. Don't let that out. People will mock you. Yeah. Like, don't be yourself. People will reject that. Yeah. And so we learn. We learn to hide. And, and fear keeps us bound. And I feel like uh, when I came to a place where I just, I didn't care anymore. I didn't care who knew. Like I would have died before anybody knew that I had ever had a struggle with the sin of pornography. Yeah. Then after I was broken free from that, it was like, it's the first thing I, hi, I'm Tim. I used to have trouble with porn. God freed me. 
Like that was my opener. Whereas the 30 years before that, it's like I would have committed suicide before I wanted anybody to find out wow. that that was something that was going on in my life. And then wow. it became such a picture of grace. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what God's grace and love does is he transforms broken, yeah. painful places in our lives into places of strength. Yeah. Treasure. Yes. Yeah. Th- there was one thing in my life um, as a young child at three and then a little later when I was molested as a child. And when that memory came back to me, it was one of the most painful, broken places that I had in my life. And I went through a process of healing, and God showed me in that place as a child, and he showed up. Jesus showed up in that moment. And I'm looking at his face, and he's not mad at me. He's not disappointed in me. He walked over, and he picked me up. I had this just this picture in my mind and covered me and held me. He loved me. And it's like... I, that memory now is not a place of brokenness and pain. It's a place of incredible love and acceptance and restoration. Mm. It's almost as though God went into my past and he remade my history so that I could experience the love of God. Wow. Mm. So what the enemy intended to be a breaking point in my life, God has turned around. And when I think of that moment, I think of the love of God and what he wants to do for all of his children. It, it, it remade my understanding. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. Yeah. I think the the fear aspect, and I, I even recognize that I, I, for a lot of my life, there was a, a wrestle with pornography, and mm. and the moments where you, you tell people, and you're so comfortable telling them that you actually forget that for some it's a surprising fact. Yeah, shocking. Shocking, even yeah, and I remember telling a bunch of people, and I didn't even think anything of it, and like tons of people came up to me, go, wow. Thanks for your transparency. That must have been really hard. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> like, not really. I didn't even think about it. Like it was not even a thing. It was like, it was like saying, uh, the sky's blue. Uh, exactly. and then just yeah. kind of rolling well, along well, and that's just like kind of, it's like a true place of freedom for you. Yeah. It was yeah. like, Oh no, that's not, there's no guilt on that. There's no yeah. condemnation. I don't even see anything like that. But the, the fear aspect is, um, it is a, it is such a, challenging place and the places of fear that I find are really challenging are the places of fear that have been accepted as like really effective. Yeah. And, uh, and those are the tricky ones to really, uh, invite people to unpack and let go of. Cause there's some really powerful motivators of fear that lead us to do some really great things. Yes. Or accomplish great things. The fear of failure yeah. can accomplish great success. Yeah, we got pull that pull that closer to you, my friend. The fear of failure can accomplish great success. The fear of condemnation can, or the fear of consequence and pain can get accomplish right. great obedience and get your mm. act right. And then fear of rejection can have you be the most popular person around because <laughs> yeah. you make it, you please everyone. Yep. And you never do anything that's controversial or that could possibly lead to a repelling of anyone because you just can't do it. Yeah. So these are the mechanics that I recognize have been active in my life at times and in others' lives that are truly prohibitors to us experiencing like freedom and sonship, uh, which would be I am defined by love, not fear. And that notion right there is really hard to unpack and really hard to walk out because when you've only known the form that comes from fear motivations, you're, you're really almost terrified of what it would look like not to have those motivators. Right. Like when I was um, afraid of failure, 
and then I realized I needed to be free, I was like, but God, when I don't fear failure, I don't want to be homeless. Like, because I have no, if I have no motivation to accomplish anything, yes. will I just live on the street? Yeah. Will I just wear nothing because I don't care anymore? I, these are like real questions from like a recovering uh, fear of failure guy that in the moment before I walked it out, I was like, so do I just let my teeth fall out or like, <laughs> <laughs> what's the point of anything? Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm like, well, so do I just die? Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. I don't have that, what's my life? I, I had that uh, in a, on a religious mentality. I had that fear because I believed, um, I believed that I was so woefully inept that if I didn't have the fear of God's wrath or judgment hanging over me, I wouldn't do the right thing. Yeah. Because I didn't understand that I can do the right thing out of love and not out of a fear of yeah. consequence. Yeah. I, because I, I didn't believe there was enough in me. If I'm created in the image of God, but that's been corrupted by sin, when Jesus restores that image within me, then he puts it, he says he'll write his law on our hearts. He's given us his heart so that when he makes me new, there's enough in me of God that I will be drawn by love to act loving. Yeah. To, to act in grace, to act in goodness, to act in righteousness. The problem was, is I believed that I was such a vile creature that I needed that fear to keep me on the right path. Mm. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand the power of grace, the power of transformation, the, the identity of being made in the image of God and that being powered by his love. I thought for the rest of my life here on earth, I'm gonna, somebody's going to have to beat me into righteousness and then in heaven I'll be perfect. But it's like, no, the work of sanctification begins here now with the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And it's a progressive unveiling of the, the more I, I yield to his spirit, the more I yield to the heart of God, the more I reflect the heart of God. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. Um, healing yeah. plays such a big part in the walk with Jesus and learning how to heal and what to heal. Uh, Tim, you are a big healer guy. You're yeah. all about Heart people healing. being being healed physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like the walk with God and how important the healing process is with uh, walking with Jesus and how important it is for yeah. us as Christians to provide healing for others? Yes. I healing is part of what Jesus purchased for us on the cross. And I grew up um, believing that healing was like a thunderstorm. It could come or not come, and you never know. It's out of the blue like a lightning strike. And it's at God's sovereign will, and you just never know what he's going to do when he's going to do it. And I felt that way kind of not just for physical healing, but even, you know, people's um, inner world. I felt like, you know, yeah. sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Who knows? <laughs> God moves in mysterious ways. <laughs> the problem <Smoke>. is... <laughs> right? <laughs> a loving father wants his kids to walk in wholeness. He's yeah. calling us to wholeness. So I feel like healing is part of our, part of the inheritance that we get for being adopted into the family of God that Jesus earned for us through his sacrifice on the cross. And that healing is it's body, soul, and spirit. And that when I understand that this is what, you know, by his stripes we were healed, that my heart can be healed, that my body can be healed. I didn't believe in the past that I could ask dad for that. Or if I did, it would. It, there, there were always prayers of if you could just, or Lord, if it's your will, uh, like if 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 you want to do that for me, because I don't 
really believe that you'd want to do that for me because I don't feel like I'm worthy in some way. But when I understood that, no, this is available and it's open and like uh, my wife Pam just went through a period of a little over two years of really difficult physical struggle and we were praying and contending that whole time for healing. And there were times in the middle of it where I felt like, God, we're just not getting breakthrough. Yeah. But then looking back down that path we just walked, she t- would tell me that, you know, there were times you would pray and it lifted just enough for me to make it through today. Yeah. It didn't go away completely. But when you prayed, God gave me the grace I needed for this journey. Mm-hmm. And we're finding there's so many other people in the, in the same path. I found that my life was radically transformed when my inner world was healed, when my heart wounds were healed. Yeah. Because the enemy had created such a cage of bondage over my wounds and pain and a misunderstanding and brokenness. And now as we've walked other people through this process, we've seen cases where people got their heart reconciled with God, their relationships reconciled with others, walking through forgiveness, uh, renouncing of lies, renouncing of vows, and getting their identity straightened out, and have experienced physical healing that we didn't even pray for. Yeah. We had a lady completely healed of lupus. For 15 years, she's walked with lupus. She got her heart healed, and we had a call six months later, and she's like, I have no markers for lupus anywhere in my body. See, that's my doctor amazing. Just told. That's amazing. And we, see, we even see that, though, with like people, like, people who have lost loved ones, like, mm-hmm. uh, like grandparents, for instance. Like my grandparents have you know, passed away within a year of each other because of yeah. heart stuff. Yes. Not physical heart stuff, but like really emotional, relational heart stuff. My grandfather passed away and then a year later my grandmother passed yes. away because there was like a heart thing. It's so interesting you say that. Like when we start healing from the heart, like the physical healing begins to manifest Absolutely. out from that. I think that's Absolutely. so fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think what and you we look in the Bible how many times when Jesus addressed healing was he addressing some an issue of the heart? Wow. Uh, an issue where someone was in bondage, there was a lie, there was there was some demonic oppression operative, and he pulled that out of them and their body improved. Yeah. So I think there are there are things that, you know, we know that that bitterness like um I had a heart attack ten years ago and you know anger mm-hmm. when you when you express rage or anger yeah. that, that constricts your vessels and over time that could be a problem for your heart and your yeah. cardiovascular system. So we know that, that it, strong emotion affects us. You know, people that constantly worry can develop ulcers. And But just the understanding of, okay, God created all of this and there's overlap. Body, soul, and spirit, there's overlap. Each one affects the other. So if we're going to come into wholeness and health, we need to understand this is God's creation and my inner world is God's creation and my spirit is God's creation and all of these affect each other. So in walking and healing, I feel like there's a, there's just this this huge place of one affecting the other. And even when you're not going after the whole picture, it's like, God's given me a revelation for my heart. Oh, it affects my body. Or God's given me a res- revelation for physical healing. It did something in the heart of that person because they feel loved by daddy because they just got physically healed. And that reconciled a question they had in their heart. Yeah. So it, it one prophesies to the other. One preaches and testifies to the other. Yeah. It, wow. it, it always just felt like to me... It, it really does feel like a very, especially the physical healing journey, it does feel very mysterious to me still. Right. Uh, it does lend to like the, the trust in God. It does lend to Father's heart is motivated to heal. It's not random to heal some and not others. Uh, it does feel really mysterious because sometimes people die. Sometimes yeah. people that we pray for don't die. Sometimes the people that die get resurrected and some don't. I, yeah. There are really amazingly interesting aspects of it that are riddled to me. And I, I, 
I don't misunderstand or lose the concept of Father's heart in it, but also I don't make it an issue of Father's heart when I don't understand it, yes. if that makes sense. Yes. So when I don't understand the outcome of a physical healing or no physical healing, I, it's never really been an invitation for me in my heart to question the heart of Father yeah. in that. And that was a, a conscious choice I made that I go, this is not an indicator of a lack in Father's heart. Yeah. And I, so I don't always understand, but I, I've, I've really felt like comfortable not to challenge his heart or goodness. In yeah, that, yeah. If that makes yeah, we the the side of the prayer that says God is great, God is able, God does these things. But even if He doesn't, yeah, He's still God. He's still good. Yeah, which he's can still be, loving. which can and in and in all a perfect understanding of a person who's challenged by their situation and challenged by a lack of healing. Yeah, to me, it's really understandable that they're discouraged. It's even understandable that they have question about questions about Father's heart. And I've identified Father's heart to be really beautiful, not in that every situation I find myself in, He repairs or fixes, but that His perpetual presence and His perpetual availability and love and grace and His peace is always available. And, And that's the place of connection to me that's been profound, is that there's a present, to be present in, and even relationally with people, uh, for me, as a person, the expression of love isn't always, I can fix this. Yeah. But Absolutely. it's also to be, Absolutely. I'm here with you. Yes. That's, I think, well, that's super healthy, too. Like, the need to try and fix something for someone that could turn into, like, a a boundary thing. It's like, oh, I, I have to try and do, oh, this person's going through, oh, I have to be, like, yeah. that could really take a toll on someone. But I, I, I love that approach. It's like, I, I'm here, but I'm here, I'm here with you, whatever you need. Yeah, so Jesus was present in the storm initially. Mm-hmm. So it's part of his nature to not necessarily fix it, although he can. Yeah. Right. But it's also his, his nature to author peace in the storm. Yes, And I think that's the first lesson of peace that was missed by the disciples in that place was that in the storm you can sleep. And so the first peace he was authoring, in my perspective of the story, was for them to just choose peace that was had nothing to do with their surroundings. And then he also showed them that he can create peace in his atmosphere as well yeah. when he stilled the storm. But I don't know, for me it's always been like he may cause peace in my body physically. Right. Uh, but he also may be inviting me to a space where peace is accessible, even in a broken uh, physical state, yes. if that makes sense. And I feel like in those situations, what's happening is, and what's happened for me in those, like, the circumstances didn't lift. The yeah. circumstances didn't shift. Yeah. But my deep abiding awareness that Daddy is with me in this. Yeah. I am not alone. Yeah. I'm not forgotten. I'm not overlooked. Did a healing internally. Yeah. Like, even though what was going out outside still sucked. Like, it still sucks, guys. But he's so intimately with me in this that it was a moment of love and peace and connection for me. Yeah. Even in the midst of the turmoil. Yeah. It's almost like the at the beginning we were, you were saying to beloved daughter, beloved son, these are the greatest titles. Yeah. These are the greatest claims over my life. And, and I, I think even in the aspect of healed or the revelatory understanding of son and f- father present. Yeah. Uh, I may not be labeled healed in this specific way right. physically, but 
I am very hyper aware that Father's present and yes. I'm Son. Yes. And I, 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 I don't. That's powerful. That's to huge. Me. I don't want to say it's it's more important or significant than, uh, but it's definitely the foundational aspect of how I journey with Father. It's not necessarily that I require physical healing to access sonship. Yeah. Sonship's readily available, accessible, there is a reality. Uh, and that's my perpetual. That's my consistent. Wonderful. Well, we're at, we're out of time here. Uh, I want to thank Sam, you for being here. Tim, really want to thank you for being here. Uh, you got something going on coming up uh, soon, a business venture or not really a business venture, but a new healing thing that you guys are working, you and your wife are working on. Yeah, we're trying to build um, the inner healing ministry that we do. We're calling it Casa de Paz. And we're trying to roll out a structure of what that looks like because we're starting to get busier. We're doing it in our home. Like we have a room set aside where oh. people come and walk through a place of healing and, and kind of restoration. Yeah. And that's getting busier. And so we're trying to put some structure to that. Very cool. Very cool. And is there any like way people can contact you if they need the healing or is it so overflowed that you don't want to take any more <laughs> right now? <laughs> well, if they want to sit in person, we're kind of busy for the next couple months. Okay, cool. Uh, but we do have a Facebook page called Freedom God's Way. Cool. Freedom and, God's Way. We'll and, put that in the link below uh, in the description that you guys can uh, take a look yeah. at that in case you need anything in the next couple months when you guys are available. But, Tim, I want to thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for, for being me. here. This is awesome. As always, Sam, you're a great, man. Love you, buddy. You're so handsome. And for those, this is your first time listening to the podcast. Uh, I encourage you to subscribe, rate, review. We want to hear back from you. And then that way you can get all the content that comes out of the mountain. Until then, my name is Donovan for the Mountain Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you.